It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. This time a pandemic and social isolation is introducing a lot of new normals to us all. While we're all holed up in our apartments, the need to interact with our friends and the outside world hasn't just suddenly ended. In fact, people are FaceTiming and setting up Google Hangouts just to feel normal. But one app that I never even really heard of until now seems to be coming out on top as the choice video conferencing platform, Zoom. It's being called the Zooming of America. Hey everyone. As the nation enters yet another week of social distancing, millions of Americans are staying in communication via the Zoom app. And its services allow us to have chaotic Zoom parties with 12 friends screaming on top of each other. But as Motherboard's Joseph Cox has reported, the app has a host of privacy issues. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So Joseph, Zoom calls. Zoom, it's an app that, you know, people knew about it before, but I would say my mother didn't know about Zoom until the pandemic hit. And I think that's that's what's so interesting about this, this app is that it's being used by everyone all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, Zoom was traditionally uh, a sort of video conferencing platform or app used by businesses. I mean, I would go on Zoom calls fairly regularly, but it would be, you know, if a company is doing a press conference or a briefing or there's new cybersecurity research and they want to announce it, that's when we would use Zoom or I would use Zoom uh, personally. But now it's basically become some sort of de facto social network uh, in this time of quarantine. It definitely has its benefits. You can have a lot of people on a call at once uh, for a long period of time. Uh, It's free. Uh, There is a paid version, but a lot of people can use the free version. And to be honest, it does seem quite reliable as well. You can leave a Zoom call on for a long time and... A lot of the, uh, in a lot, in, a lot of instances, it's not going to drop out. You know, I personally have a lot of issues with FaceTime; it disconnects that sort of thing. But Zoom does seem pretty good, but of course, it's uh, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. I mean, they do have those funky backgrounds that everyone loves. Oh yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually done that yet, and I probably do need to just to spice it up a little <laughs> bit. I mean, I've been watching, a, I've been watching a lot of like my gaming YouTube channels and they usually do stuff in the studio and they've all had to work from home and it was like painful to watch uh, but now they've like all got the zoom backgrounds it just makes it look so much more fun so i mean we should all get on that yeah i agree although i will say the the like 12 to 13 person zoom parties that i've been on are like the chaotic energy it's it's too much in this time <laughs> in this time of coronavirus yeah. it's overwhelming yeah yeah that is a bit much definitely <laughs> um but okay, so what is interesting about Zoom is also the level of scrutiny and its its privacy issues surrounding the app haven't been so close, mm-hmm. closely looked at, but you found some stuff last week that it was sending data to Facebook of all places. Yeah, so when you open the Zoom iOS app, um, or when you installed it as well, of course. Uh, when you open the app, it would send analytics data to Facebook. You know, hey, this person used the app. This is the city they're connecting from. This is the time zone they're connecting from. This is uh, the type of iPhone they're using, that sort of thing. Sort of basic uh, analytics data. But 
Rather crucially, this just wasn't clear in the Zoom privacy policy. It said it may send data to third parties, and it mentioned uh, Google specifically, but it never explicitly mentioned Facebook. Um, so I thought, you know, there's maybe users should be aware of this, and they can make an informed decision of whether they want to use that app or not. Again, I don't think it's the most sensitive data in the world, but users didn't know about it, at least clearly when we published the piece and people reacted. People just weren't aware that this sort of data transfer was happening. And it is common. It does happen in a lot of apps. But when people are, as you say, gravitating towards Zoom right now, hey, maybe they should have um, as much information as possible about what video conferencing software they may want to use. Not to mention Facebook. You know, there's been a movement among people that you know, you and I both know that aren't even just privacy paranoid paranoid acts. It's people who are who are leaving Facebook because they don't like their privacy their privacy uh, mm. policies. So to know that a, a a an app you use that is helping you connect with your family is also sending it to to Facebook. You know, certain people are not going to be very happy about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, as you say, there is this movement of hashtag delete Facebook or leave Facebook and some people just don't want to use that platform. Of course, um, the funny thing is with this Zoom application and many apps as well, is that that data gets sent to Facebook regardless of whether you have a Facebook account or not. And even if, and it kind of goes beyond Zoom, of course, is like you can download an app and if they haven't been clear in the privacy policy, you may not know that this app that you believe is completely unrelated is actually sending data to Facebook. So it didn't just end there with Zoom and some of the issues surrounding it. There was also something where people started hacking Zoom calls. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if I would call it hacking exactly, but I would maybe just call it trolling or hijacking. And people were basically... You know, maybe there's a public invite link to a big Zoom call where you can go and listen to somebody speak. Uh, other people were joining uh, and then having a bit of fun uh, in the Zoom conference call because with Zoom, you can share screens. So it's not just your webcam and your audio. You can also share what's actually happening on your on your laptop in the browser or whatever it may be. People were jumping into Zoom calls and broadcasting the infamous uh, Two Girls, One Cup uh, clip. Uh, haven't haven't heard that one in a while. Various other things. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is a throwback to like, no some, kidding to like some high school. Yeah. 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 yeah it's um, like high school. I, I, in fact, I lived in, I lived in England when I saw that video. Right. Right. It was like right. 10, 10, 10, 10 or 11 years ago. It's crazy. But that's what people were doing. Uh, I imagine there were other pranks as well, but people were going in and doing that. And again, that's not, necessarily um, the biggest issue in the world, but maybe you are having a sensitive conversation or maybe you just don't want people joining. And of course, users need to have the information to be aware that, hey, how about you put a password uh, on that Zoom conference call, which you can do, or you don't distribute the link um, widely, or you have some other measures to stop um, screen sharing. But um, yeah, that's another issue that's definitely come up. Just because as you say, now we have more and more people using Zoom. We're going to be seeing these cases and pranks or privacy issues that maybe weren't even considered before, uh, but they're going to now that the user base is so much larger. You know, when it was just when it was just reserved for company conference calls, people probably weren't thinking, "Oh God, what happens if someone connects and starts playing porn?" 
because that's not, probably not going to happen in a company context, right? Uh, but now it obviously is. And just a, just to check, make sure your memo is still going. Yep, it's on. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. So there's a lot of issues with Zoom, apparently, but you found something out. It's a scoop recently. What what else is what else is going wrong with this app? Yeah, so I was more interested in this um, issue because it was sort of a a design flaw rather than a a vulnerability or something like that. It was Zoom had making uh, Zoom had taken a conscious choice to implement a feature and it sort of backfired. Uh, basically, it circles around a feature called the company directory. So when we sign up to Zoom with our work email addresses at vice.com, it will automatically in the Zoom app say, hey, look, here are all the other people in your company that are using Zoom because they've all signed up with vice.com as well. Um, that's great if you quickly want to find a colleague, you, um, you're not sure who has Zoom, who doesn't, and you can immediately see their email address, their photo, whether they're online, and you can try to start a video call with them uh, as well. The thing is that a, a user I spoke to, and then I found other cases online of other people who have experienced this, they signed up with their personal email address, um, and then Zoom treated everybody who used that email service as if they were in the same company. So then they could see all these complete strangers, um, hundreds up to around about a 1,000 for each email domain, so several, several thousand users uh, at least in total, they could see all of the stuff that you should only be able to see if you're actually in the same company, but they're all strangers, um, which is just a really bizarre um, maybe lack of thought when it comes to that, um, that feature design. Uh, and they do, Zoom does blacklist certain domains such as gmail.com, Zoom, uh, sorry, Yahoo, um, and, and Hotmail and various other larger free email providers. Of course, um, we would have heard about it a lot sooner if people with Gmail were signing up and you could see everybody on Zoom who uses Gmail. Um, but Zoom did um, anticipate that and they blocked those domains. But I found it was about three or four different domains, weirdly all in the Netherlands. Um, just weren't on Zoom's list. Now, of course, you know, this isn't malicious from Zoom. It's just a, a little bit sloppy. Um, they just assumed these were company emails when they were personal. Um, but still, it's um, it's an interesting issue for sure. Well, yeah, I guess this is sort of what I find really fascinating about this is that something cataclysmic like this, like this pandemic, can suddenly create and, and show that an app that we didn't really use before is extremely important to everyone. And yet that app wasn't created with, you know, the secure thoughtfulness that we we would have wanted or, ex or expected. But now it, it's it's rushing to catch up with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think the idea of scale is really interesting that you can have a product and it can be um, basically working as intended and um, letting people do video calls or whatever. But then when it's kind of skyrockets in popularity the scale not only brings more attention to it but it really does expose more issues i mean when people were signing up with these dutch personal email addresses um which were then you know allowing them to see the information of strangers they didn't necessarily sign up before the pandemic you know mm -hmm. so the idea that more and more people are coming on this platform is actually an issue potentially for um, Zoom. It's just an interesting idea, I think, about privacy and security and scale. Absolutely. And and it, it's, you know, I, I'm 
I wonder what other apps are going to kind of come to the forefront because of this like extremely insane moment in history. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, at the moment, there's a lot of people talking about this app called House Party, which is just very briefly a basically another video chatting app um, that lets people join in. You can see everyone at once. It was bought by the Epic um, Epic Games uh, last year, uh, and that is shooting up in popularity. Um, so much so that people are installing it and saying, oh, look, I installed this and now my Spotify got hacked, so House Party must be hacked. But at the time of recording, there's no indication that House Party has been compromised in any way. Um, but I only bring it up because, yeah, it's just interesting that... I mean, why aren't we using the already established apps? <laughs> you know, clearly there is a gap, uh, or these people think there is a gap, and people are gravitating towards these other apps which were relatively obscure like three or four weeks ago. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm I'm happy about it because I don't know about you. I'm I'm so sick of bad video conferencing calls. So anything to make this industry better, I'm for it because I feel like we're going to be doing a lot more of this in the future when this yeah. pandemic, you know, at least quiets down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be here to stay. And I, I mean, I'm with you having good video conferencing software is, of course, um, a plus. It's just uh, users just have to be aware about what they're downloading. Well, Joseph, stay safe. Thanks, man. You too. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Jason, there was, there's was there been a ton of great labor stories that we've been doing from two insane reporters, Lauren Gurley and Edward, who are just absolutely tearing up this, this beat. This one came in this week. General Electric Workers launched a protest because they wanted to make ventilators. I thought this was like the most heroic thing. Yeah, so... There's been obviously a massive, uh, massive fear that there's going to be a ventilator shortage because uh, people who need to go into the ICU uh, with coronavirus often need to be intubated, which requires a ventilator to breathe for them. And so this is a huge, huge deal. And uh, right now the hospitals haven't been overwhelmed, but every public health expert is saying that these hospitals will soon not have enough ventilators and they'll have to ration care. Uh, we've already seen hospitals in Detroit and New York plan for this eventuality where they say that, you know, older patients might not get ventilators. Like they'll have to give them to people who have a better chance of surviving the disease, which is obviously just like a horrific thought. Like in Italy, and it's they've, something that's they've, happened. they've done this already there. It's something that's happened in Italy. And I think um, Spain too. I believe. Yeah, I don't. And Spain as well. So it's it's like 
morally speaking, it's just like a really, really difficult thing. And it's like, we don't have enough ventilators uh, to, to make this happen. And so uh, there's been all this talk about asking President Trump to invoke the Defense Production Act, which would require companies to make ventilators and other necessary supplies that have been in short, uh, short supply. And uh, until very recently, he hadn't invoked that. So that's the background here. The other background is that uh, once coronavirus happened, you had all of this, uh, you had like the stock market plummet, obviously, and you also saw a huge reduction in the amount of people who were flying. So General Electric, this just gigantic company that is also a government contractor and makes jet engines, laid off a bunch of employees in their aviation sector, which makes jet engines for the military, makes jet engines for Boeing and some other you know big airplane companies. And they lost business, so they laid off these people. So you have all these factories that make jet engines and all these people who know how to run machinery uh, with nothing to do. And meanwhile, we have this ventilator shortage. So some of the remaining employees said, you know, why aren't we making ventilators? There's clearly this desperate need for it. And so some of these people working in GE's aviation sector, uh, you know, protested at the factory to say, hey, we want to make this, we want to make ventilators. We know there's a need. Uh, we know that we can put some of our colleagues back to work and we know we can save lives. So, um, this is like not super far-fetched because GE's healthcare division is one of the uh, one of the biggest manufacturers of ventilators in the United States. So it's not like GE doesn't know how to make ventilators. So GE has said that they are sort of ramping up production of ventilators in their ventilator factories, but at the same time they've kept these aviation factories going, still making jet engines, like, at, but at a, a reduced capacity. And so what these workers are saying is like, stop making jet engines. We have enough jet engines for the moment. Let's make this life-saving uh, equipment. And so that, I mean, that's really inspiring. It's like a really important thing. And I'm not sure if it's going to work. Uh, you know, we talked to GE and they said, it's not like flicking a switch. You can't just suddenly start making ventilators in a factory that was designed for aviation equipment. But you know, it seems like this is going to be going on for a long time. Yeah, I mean, uh, and so, yeah. The thing I, I have, my response to that is, if you can have uh, these these scientists creating a vaccine and rushing the speed of making the vaccine from what normally takes um, sometimes 10 years to shrinking that number down to like 18 months, because this is the crisis of this plague that we're dealing with. I'm pretty sure GE can figure out how to fucking make some ventilators where they make super complex war warplanes, you know? Exactly. And it's like they all, they already have the schematics. It's like they will probably need different type of machinery, but it's like, I don't know. I saw yesterday that Elon Musk like airlifted a bunch of ventilators in from China. It's like these companies worth billions and billions of dollars. They yeah. have different, it's not like they are uh, hopping around Alibaba trying to buy things through like the normal supply chain. Like they can get machinery and they can get it rushed. And it's like, if it takes a couple of weeks, it takes a couple of weeks to get up and running. Yeah. It's like, this is going to be a problem for a long time. Yeah. Figure so, it, figure it the fuck out because we need ventilators. Yeah. <laughs> like people are yeah. fucking dying. <laughs> if you didn't right. get the and memo, like, if you didn't get the memo. Cut it, of course it's going to cut into their profits in the short term if they're like stopping some airplane contracts, but like desperate times, man. 
So it's, it's time to like step up. Um, yeah, they said that they're trying to quadruple the rate of manufacture of ventilators at a single factory in Wisconsin by like June or something, which is good. It's like, yeah, increase the capacity there, but you have factories dotted all over the country that make other things like make some goddamn ventilators, make some ventilators. This is insane. Like this is supposedly the most privileged country in the entire world sorted out. Okay. So another one, Jeff Bezos, just making more news. Whole Foods employees stage a nationwide sick out because of, you know, we've done some great reporting on this, that Whole Foods workers have just been petrified because they are obviously providing an essential service right now and they don't have health insurance. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, we're seeing it in every sector, especially ones that are really vulnerable right now. Uh, you know, Instacart did a, uh, nationwide strike on Monday. Um, Whole Foods did a nationwide sick out on Tuesday and we've seen cases of coronavirus at these, uh, like at Whole Foods, stores all over the country. I think there's been at least six or seven different cases. So that's scary. And like none of these stores have closed for any extended period of time. I know you talked to Lauren last week about the types of things that they're facing, which is like they're being asked not to wear masks. They're being, uh, you know, they're being put in harm's way because they're essentially frontline troops at this point. Like, I mean, they're on the front lines of a global pandemic uh, and it's a, an incredibly stressful situation to work under. And they're getting something like $2 per hour more uh, than they were getting before. And it's like they want double pay, which seems reasonable for the world's richest man to pay. And they want better protections. They want, you know, hand sanitizer. They want gloves. They want to wear face masks. And I think that's a, an extremely reasonable request. Uh, we've also seen strikes and walk-offs at Amazon facilities all over the country too. I think uh, just a few hours ago, we're recording this Wednesday, uh, workers in Detroit walked off the job. We also saw a demonstration in Staten Island in New York and Amazon went and fired the organizer behind that. So it's like workers are waking up right now. They are, uh, you know, demanding to be treated fairly and, I think that this is a really important moment for the labor movement. And I'm glad we're sort of chronicling this time because we've heard from workers who say that they're reading our reporting and they're inspired to, they're inspired by, you know, other people and other companies to take these sorts of actions. And I think, you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to continue to see this sort of thing. And, you know, it's, it's desperate times. It's not like Amazon or Whole Foods can be like, okay, we're going to fire everyone. It's like, you can't train new Whole Foods employees right now because what are you going to put them in a classroom somewhere? Like we're doing social distancing. So uh, it, it's really hard to hire and hard to get people up to speed right now. So these people, these workers have a lot of leverage, which I think is really important to, to note. Yeah. And we've, you know, I got to say, we've done some incredible, incredible reporting on this and really led the way on, I think, a beat that we, everyone saw labor movements in tech and in different companies being a major issue, especially the upcoming 2020 election happening. But to see it, you know, under this, in this context, it's just, it's insane, but it shows just the importance of this type of reporting generally and, and what it means to, yeah. what it means to our audience to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So should we talk about what, uh, what people can do at their, at their homes? Yes. Make their own. Yeah. Masks? So in more and more motherboard helping you 
deal with this entire plague environment, uh, one of our editors, Janice, came up with, you know, she's making face masks, which is really cool and gives you some advice on how to do that. Yeah, so there's been a lot of different projects around the country. A lot of uh, manufacturing companies have started like 3D printing face shields for hospital workers. Uh, I think Brooks Brothers announced that it's going to be making a bunch of masks at its factories. Uh, And there's obviously like a mask shortage for healthcare workers. But at the same time, it seems like the CDC is going to suggest that everyone start wearing masks. Uh, And this is not the end. 95 masks that healthcare workers need to to wear. It's just like you should probably wear masks when you're out in public. And this is because there are a lot of asymptomatic people who are spreading coronavirus. And so there's the shortage of N95 masks and like, you know, you're not really supposed to be going to the store uh, on a regular basis. And a lot of stores are sold out of things like masks. So we did an article about how you can make your own, uh, which is really cool. Janice uh, had a sewing machine and, uh, you know, some cloth and she kind of goes through like how you can make your own mask. Uh, And she talked to epidemiologists about what the best type of filters are. It turns out that reusable shopping bags, the material that like, uh, I don't know, Trader Joe's like shopping bags and, and this sort of thing are made out of is pretty good at filtering particles so you can use that as an insert which is really cool Mm -hmm. and this is part of a new series that we're doing called homebrew which is going to be a diy series for things you can do in quarantine not all of it is going to be like how to protect yourself i i would during the pandemic i would totally i would totally offer up my services to get that taxi driver workout going i have some i have a lot of tips oh dude you got to i got a lot of tips. what's your what's your routine I'm I'm on a I'm on a steady diet of 250 push-ups, 200 sit-ups. I'm I've I rigged up my closet to do these weird wide grip chin-ups. I'm I am running right now as I'm still allowed to. I have family in Italy who I've spoken to recently. And they're not allowed to do that anymore, so I don't know how much I want to um, tell people to do that. But I've do, been running about five miles a day, and it, Damn. so I'm trying to. And by the way, that's not to trying to be like that. I don't know what that hashtag was, like quarantine fit or some shit like that. I'm doing this because I like I think if I didn't, I'd go crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I set up a uh, pull up bar the other day. Like I had uh, I had a lot of time and I had a pull up bar that I just haven't put together. And I did it and I've been doing pull ups been uh, biking, which I'm still able to bike at the moment. And one of our homebrew articles is going to be how to get back into biking safely Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, which is really cool. It should run in the next week or so. Um, And this is for people who have like a bike that is sitting in their garage that is, uh, has flat tires and like fucked up gears and stuff, like how you can easily fix it and clean it and, and get it back on the road. So you can burn off some anxiety and stress um, by exercising. And like, yeah, we need to be like at the moment, we're still allowed to go outside to exercise as long as we stay away from people. So hopefully we'll run that while that's still the case. And I hope that we don't have to go to the drastic measures that Italy has taken. But yeah, I'm really excited about this new series. It's going to be all sorts of things that you can do uh, at your house without buying a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, because as we've talked about, like buying things on the internet right now is it, you probably shouldn't be doing it because you're putting warehouse workers and delivery workers at risk. Yes. 
but exactly i'm sure a lot of people have like a lot of old crap that they can repurpose that has some use now so well it's a good time to be doing that for example one thing i do is i filled a bag with all of my with a bunch of cans like literally a bunch of canned perishable goods and i use that as my curling my, my curling dumbbell <laughs> that's so funny i think uh ashwin advice has been doing that too but yeah, you need to write that article because I need to uh, up my workout game. It's all about the push-ups. The push-ups are everything. The, it's, this is the saving grace of the quarantine environment. It, it also, every time I'm feeling a little bit down, just getting, a, mm-hmm. just getting a rush of like moving your body in some way, it actually, it does. I know probably some, some of it's just supplementary, but it does help you. Like it, it kind of raises your, your uh, endorphins quickly and gives you something <laughs> to hope for. <laughs> cool well uh let's talk let's talk again next week i'll i'll start on the push-up regimen and i'll give you an update next week yeah let's How do about it that? let's do it I'm, I'm down cool all right i'll talk to all you right. later sounds good farewell bye everyone this week's episode was produced by me hosted by me recorded by me and edited by ricardo Contreras. you'll be hearing from us next week stay safe everyone When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.